0: Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church.: Well, hi again. If we haven't met yet, my name's Dan, and uh, I'm one of the lead pastors here. And I, you guys you guys have a good Christmas. You guys have a meaningful Christmas. I, let's do this, just for fun. Who does someone want to shout out what they got for Christmas? A Christmas gift that you got? Oh, whoa, okay, what are you excited about here? A towel warmer, okay, if you're online, type it in the chat, what else? Towel warmer, who can beat that? Books, books, books is good, what else? A, a shacket, oh I got you that shacket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people are like, what's a shacket? Uh, ask your teenage daughter maybe, I don't know. <laughs> well I got to celebrate Christmas with a, a lot of you here at Life and Um. I just want, I want to say thank you to, to anyone who had anything to do with making the Christmas Eve services happen. It was incredible. I just loved celebrating. I got to do it twice. I know some of you stayed twice as well. It was great. Um, and, you know, when we decided to do two services, we thought like, okay, we know we can't fit everybody in one service, so we'll just have two smaller services. But, I mean, you guys blew us away. Like when I told you to invite people, you invited people because we went from 82 people last year at our Christmas service to 162 this year, which is insane. That's incredible. So thanks for inviting people. Thanks for wanting to be here. Thanks for making the service happen. Um, I just love celebrating Christmas with y'all. And Happy New Year. Um, who's staying up till midnight tonight? Anybody? Oh, yeah, the kids. All the kids have their hands in the air. Some brave parents out there I see. Great job. You guys are young, at heart at least. No way I'm doing it. Like, we're playing the Netflix ball drop at like 8 o'clock, right? Is that a, that's still a thing? They have a fake ball drop on Netflix? We're going to do that. Well, um, our next message series isn't beginning until the new year, which is next week. Um, and it's called Come Alive. And it's a series about growing closer to God, not by doing, but by resting in and with Him. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at uh, all those things that, that um, h- how we can have rest with Him. Instead of a checklist of all the things that we do, we're going to look at how we can rest with God to grow in Him. You know, uh, when I told Jeanette about this series and how to announce it on, on Christmas Eve she, she came up with this beautiful verse that describes this series perfectly. She was reading in Psalms, and she had read this recently, so I want to read it to you. <clears throat> and it's Psalm 1611. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. I love that. That's what this series is going to be, out, be about. So invite a friend, and we're going to uh, see how we can come alive by resting in Jesus. So that series starts next week, which means today is a standalone series. I get to pick whatever I wanted to talk about, Um, and I was thinking about what's, it's it's New Year's Eve, the new year starts tomorrow, it's going to be 2024. What does 2024 hold, and what should we talk about? And I thought we should talk about unity today, because 2024 holds with it one of the most divisive things that can happen to us, which, of course, you guys know, the Bears-Packers game is January 7th, so that's going to divide some of us, and we need to talk about unity. Oh, and there, there's, there's an election or something, too. Um, so, we're going to talk about unity today. We're going to talk about how Jesus wants us to be unified, so much so that he prays for that for us. He prays that we would be a unified people, that we would be, have unity around him. Now there's two levels that we can think about this today. The first level is uh, the unification that we just have in this church with the people sitting next to you, behind you, and in front of you. Uh, the unity that we have at Life Vineyard Church. And secondly, we can think about this on, on a global level, the unity that we have with the whole church. Um, with maybe the people that you go to work with that are, are Methodist, or Catholic, or whatever denomination, they might believe a few different things, but we can still have unity with them. So we'll be talking about the Capital C Church today as well. So Jesus praised this for us. Jesus prays that we would have unity with each other. So let me read that prayer to you to start off. This is John 17, and I have a half apology that I don't have any scriptures for you on the screens today. Um just felt like spending more time with my family than doing a PowerPoint on Christmas week. <laughs> so if you want, you can turn there with me, or uh, you can get out your device, uh, read on your device, or just sit back and I'll read it to you. So this is John 17:20 20 through 23. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and they, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. And that you love them as much as you love me. So here's Jesus praying for us, praying for you as a part of the church, praying for us to have unity with each other no matter what. And why? Why is he praying unity? A, it's good for us. And B, he tells us right at the end, he says, so that the world can know our love. Our unity is a witness. It's a reason for others to seek the, the presence of Jesus in their lives. Now, before I go, uh, before I go on, I want to just clarify that uh, unity isn't sameness. Unity is not sameness. You can kind of think of this in terms of a football team. You know, you've got the 11 guys on the field. And if you put 11 Tom Bradys, the best quarterback I ever to play the game, if you put 11 Tom Brady's on the field, he's gonna lose every game, right? He needs the people around him with their different giftings and their different skills and their different jobs to help him out. And even if you have the best 11 guys, you would still need like, the whole organization to support them. You need coaches, you need physical trainers, you need the people like in the, in the front office doing the admin work that like, book all these flights and make sure the team gets to where they're going. All of these people are doing different things to help the team, to help the goal of the organization. Um, And so you have all these different people doing their different jobs, maybe even with different philosophies of how to do them, and they're all brought into unity around one cause. And so the true, the, the same is true for us as a church, like in our local church here, we've got a lot of people doing different jobs. We've uh, you know, we got people doing homeless outreach, and then we have people making coffee and greeting you at the doors and uh, on the worship team, uh, leading us in worship. We've got the tech team making things sound good. We've uh, got the community outreach team and all, uh, so many. Sorry if I didn't mention yours. There's like 20 more different things. Kids ministry, I've got to shout out kids ministry. They're so important. And so we're all doing different things, but with one goal to be unified uh, so that people can know the presence of Jesus. And then you can think about that on a global level as well with the church. You know, each church kind of has um, what they do really well. And so there's some churches that like really care about social justice and and helping people like Jesus did. Like I've heard of these churches that pay off uh, thousands, millions of dollars of medical debt for for their communities. I love that. I think that's so cool. And then there's churches that like deeply, deeply care about the Word of God and they they focus on the Word of God and, and understanding it and knowing it And then there's other churches that focus on the power of the Holy Spirit and what God can do through us And I could list a thousand others But we're unified in Christ There's a passage in the book of Philippians that has a lot to say about this unity This is Philippians 1 27 through 2-2, if you want to follow along. And this is Paul writing, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. The overall theme throughout this passage is unity in Christ. Paul is urging us to be unified under one thing, one thing alone, that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. That he's the sole king, sole authority of our lives. We are unified as a church around Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and the Philippian church is filled with a whole different uh, cast of characters, all sorts of different kinds of people. And we can read about the Philippians um, and who they are in Acts chapter 16. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to kind of summarize it. But if later this week you want to read Acts 16 and read about these different people, Uh, It's a cool narrative. It's a a neat little story uh, about these different people that are in there. And it's important to remember that Paul is writing to a church just like us, full of different people, full of different people with different occupations and walks of life and different beliefs, political views, and various backgrounds. And I think sometimes we look at the Bible and we read somebody in there and we just automatically put them on a pedestal like, yes, they're in the Bible like they made it. They're the perfect human but they're not. They're just like you and me. They're human, just like you and me. If they weren't, there'd be no need for this letter to be written to them. Like, they needed encouragement to be unified, just like we do. So in Acts 16, we're introduced to just a few of these people in the Philippian church, and one is Lydia, and she's a wealthy businesswoman. She sells purple cloth, which is super expensive, Um, so she's pretty wealthy. And you could kind of think of this as someone who's like runs a Ferrari dealership. You know, they're dealing with a, a certain type of customer. They're running in certain circles, and so they're they're well off, doing well for themselves. That's that's Lydia, and she meets uh, Paul, and uh, she meets Jesus, and she's uh, amazed, and her life is changed, and so she joins the church. And then there's another woman. She's a former fortune teller, a gifted one too, and a slave and formerly demon-possessed until Jesus frees her from that life through Paul. And so, uh, I mean, you talk about someone who's been through a lot, like a, a fortune teller, a slave, and demon-possessed. Like, she's been through so much in her life, and now she's in this church. And then in the same chapter, we read about this jailer, who's he's working for the very government who's oppressing that Philippian church, who wants them out, who wants them... Uh, not to worship anymore. He he works for that government. Imagine being in a small group with these three people. Like, invite those three people over to your house and try and have a conversation. You know, everyone's going to be coming from different points of view with different ideas, different backgrounds. And that's not too much different from our church today. And so as Paul is writing to the Philippians, remember that God is also writing this to us. These instructions are meant for us. So in this chapter, we read these instructions of unity. I'll just list them real quick, all the ones that I see. Stand firm in one spirit. Strive together as one. Be united in Christ. Have a common sharing in the spirit. Be like-minded. Have the same love. Be in one spirit. Have one mind. That's just in those, those few verses. So Paul is telling us as a church to have this kind of unity. And as I'm reading this, I can't help but think, like, how? How? I think about the Philippian church. How do you have that kind of unity with all those different kinds of people? It's kind of a miracle that they could have a unified church. And I think about our church with all of our different backgrounds, different political beliefs, uh, different kinds of people, and I think it's kind of a miracle that we can have the unity that we do. And I also ask, like, we're not perfect at it, right? Right? And so how can we grow in that? Well, thankfully, Philippians uh, chapter 2 tells us how. We're given a set of instructions on how to be unified, even in such a divisive culture. So I'm going to read Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Uh, the first two verses we've already read, and then the second two verses I'm gonna, are new for us. And I'm going to read uh, from a little bit of a different translation. This is N.T. Wright's Kingdom Translation. This is Philippians 2, 1 through 4. So, if our shared life in the King brings you any comfort, if love still has the power to make you cheerful, if we really do have a partnership in the Spirit, if your hearts are at all moved with affection and sympathy, then make my joy complete. Bring your thinking into line with one another. Here's how to do it. Hold on to the same love. Bring your innermost lives into harmony. Fix your minds on the same object. Never act out of selfish ambition or vanity. Instead, regard everyone else as your superior. Look after each other's best interests, not your own. I like that. Bring bring your innermost lives into harmony. Fix your minds on the same object. You know, our unity here in this church begins with our hearts and minds focused on Jesus. And that doesn't have to happen individually. You don't have to have it perfect together individually and then bring it to the church. We do that together. Like We work that faith out. We work that unity out together as a group. The, uh, what else is coming up in 2024 is the Summer Olympics. Do I have any Olympics? F- oh, okay. If some people... Some of you are super excited. Liz has got so excited, she's going to cough a little bit. Um, We love the Olympics in our house. Um, Liz, I think I've told you before, but it's been a while, so I'll tell you again, she uh, had a house fire when she was young, and then she went to a hotel and stayed there, and the Olympics were on. It's all she got to watch, so she just watched the Olympics. And now we do that all the time. So we love the Olympics. You guys have any favorite Olympic sports? Winter or summer, I don't care. Just shout them out. I want to hear your Olympic sports. I'm ready. Curling, of course. Track and field. field, That's great. Gymnastics. Ice skating. Swimming, says the swimmer. Nice. Interpretive dance. Is that Dan? I... Are you talking about what's synchronized swimming? You're talking about synchronized (laughs) swimming. I didn't expect anybody to say this, and that's okay. It's uh, the eight man rowing team, is what I want to talk to you about. I find it fascinating because of what it takes to win in those boats. And it's not the team with the strongest rower that wins. It's not the team with the most expensive boat or the nicest oars, although I'm I'm sure that can't hurt to have those things. It's not even like the strongest team, like the, the team that could lift the most weight. They're not the ones that win. The teams that win their races are the teams that are the most synchronized. Their oars have to hit the water at the exact same time. They have to pull together at the exact same time. They have to leave the water at the exact same time. These are the teams that win. Even if there's a guy that could row like faster than everybody else at like insane speeds with insane strength, that wouldn't help you because you've got to be in sync. He's got to hold that back and be in sync with his team to get to the finish line. And so all these guys, they get together and they have unity because of their goal to get to the finish line. They choose unity instead of their individual strengths. For us as Christ followers, we're to bring our lives into harmony and we fix our minds on one goal, that is Jesus. You know, I see those eight-man rowing teams and they've got like a guy in the front of the boat doing nothing. I really don't know what his job is, but they're all fixed on him and he's shouting commands and, and what to do and where to go and how to be in sync, I'm guessing. And that's kind of how we should be in our churches with our eyes fixed on Jesus so that we can be in harmony. Philippians 2.3 says, bring your innermost lives into harmony. And of course, as Christ followers, our innermost lives should be centered on Jesus. It takes a lot of effort to be with Jesus so that he's in the center, so that the other things that creep into our lives, we can push to the side and say, yes, you're important, but Jesus is on the throne of my life. Jesus is the most important. We're continually putting Jesus in the most important spot of our lives, and when we do that as individuals, And as a community and as a church, we'll find ourselves having unity in our goals and our minds focused on the things of Jesus. So we've answered the question, what does God want to see in our communities? He wants to see us united. And then we ask, how do we have that unity? And Philippians 2 gives us that answer. Our unity is found with Jesus at the center, with our eyes fixed on him. And if our eyes are focused on Jesus, then what are we going to see? Well, lucky for us, Philippians continues on and gives us that answer. What are we going to see in Jesus' life that we should emulate? So here's Philippians two five through eleven. This is the very next passage. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature who being in very nature God. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a, I was reading that a lot of biblical scholars think that this is a, a song or a poem that was read together as the church. And I just think about you know uh, the wealthy woman Lydia, and the the former slave fortune teller and the jailer, like singing that together. That's something. That's really significant. They're declaring the foundations of their faith, and that's what we do. We're 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 singing here, declaring our foundations of our faith and worshiping God together. Here, Paul uses it as a way. To show how we can live in unity by having the mindset of Christ, the mindset of the perfect servant. And even Jesus says in Mark 10:45 that he didn't come to be served. Like he's the king, he's God. He didn't come to be served, he came to serve, he says. The creator of all things, the king of the universe, gives up his throne to serve us. He gives up all the rights that come with being a deity that come with being a king to serve us. Jesus takes the nature of a servant, lives his life by putting others first, and then in the ultimate in the ultimate service, he puts his life down for ours. And because he lived a perfect life, death couldn't hold him. He rose from the dead, conquering sin and death with and for us, so that we can live in unity with him. So to recap, we as Christ followers are to live in unity by having Christ at our center. We do this, as scripture says, by holding on to the same love, bringing our innermost lives into harmony fixing our mind on Christ, regarding everyone else as more important than we are. Can you imagine that this year? Can you imagine if people, uh, even just our community, just put everyone else above themselves? I mean, I'm not even talking about politicians. I don't, I, don't, I don't expect that from them at all, but wouldn't that be something? But what if we just did that? What if we treated everyone else as more important than ourselves? looked after everyone's best interests more than our own interests. And the beautiful thing is that we don't have to do that blindly because our perfect example of Jesus, he's already done that. He's given us an example to look for. You know, at the beginning of the message, we we read the, the first verses from Philippians. And Paul wrote, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Friends, as Christians, we haven't been promised an easy life. In fact, it's just the opposite. But what Jesus does say in John 10.10 is that he's come so that we can have life and have it to the fullest. And this way of of being a servant, of having unity, of of putting Christ at our center as our example, is a way that we receive that fulfilled life with God. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I'm so grateful that you just didn't say, here's what to do. But that you said, here, let me show you what to do. Let me show you how to live. So I pray that we would have that mindset. We're not perfect, we're gonna mess up. I pray that you continually show us um, how we can have the mindset of being a servant so that we can have unity together. We wanna follow your example, put that in our hearts, Jesus. We love you, amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org. Lifevineyard.org.